Good worship this morning. How are y'all today? Good. <clears throat> I've been in a series on the traits or characteristics of God, and we've talked about that God is love and that God is faithful and that God is righteous and God is holy. And this morning I wanted to talk about the fact that God reveals himself. The sermon's entitled The Revelation of God. And when I say the revelation of God, I'm not talking about the book of Revelation. I'm talking about the fact that God in his sovereignty, in his majesty, in his power, has seen fit to reveal himself to his creation. It's the creator revealing himself to his creation. Had he not done that, how in the world could we have known about him? It'd be like uh, ants. You know, so have you ever watched ants work in an in a anthill? And they don't know that somebody's watching them. <laughs> unless somebody becomes an ant and lives among them, I guess. And that basically is what God did for us. He became Jesus and dwelt among us. And, and, and through so many ways, he revealed himself to us. And in my sermon outline, I, I tried to alliterate the points with the letter S. And it didn't work too well, but anyway, he reveals himself in science, in his story, in scripture, his son, and in circumstances, which sound like an S, but it begins with a C, okay? Uh, Romans 1, 18 through 20. This is just a couple of ways that God reveals himself. Romans 1, 18 through 24. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made, so they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man or birds or animals or reptiles. Those were statues that the people in that day had set up to worship. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So it says plainly there that God has revealed himself in nature. It says the same thing in Acts 14, I mean in, uh, yeah, Acts 14, 15 and 17. Let me back up a little bit. Paul is in Lystra, and in verse 15 of Acts 14 it says, Men, why are you doing this? We also are men of like nature with you and bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good and gave you from heaven rains and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness." So, I mean, God in nature reveals himself. And I want to talk about how God reveals himself to us today. Real simply, in science, in his story, in scripture, in his son, and in circumstances. Let's bow. God, had you not seen fit to create us and then reveal yourself to us, we would be just machines going about the motions without any relationship 
without any hope, without any purpose. But in your grace and mercy, not only did you create us, but you have revealed yourself to us time and time again, so we and everyone else are without excuse. We have all the revelation we need to believe in you. So help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. The theme of the message this morning is the fact that God reveals himself to us. That's one of his characteristics. If someone were to come up to you and ask you why you believe the way you believe, what would you say? Why, you know, we just assume we believe, but why do you believe what you believe? Or suppose a neighbor comes up to you and says, I know there's something more than life to life than what I'm seeing here, something bigger than I am, but who is it and what is it and how can I know for sure? How can I know that? What would you say? How would you answer that question? Unfortunately, a lot of people have the, a wrong impression of God. Somebody said God is a lot like our pastor. I don't see him during the week and I don't understand him on Sunday. But that's not what God is. God is about the business of revealing himself to you because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And as Paul says over and over again, he has done everything he needs to do to show himself to you, to reveal himself to you. And what I want you to understand about this is that you and I did not discover God. He, he was not like this dark mystery in the sky somewhere, and if, if we worked hard enough, we could stumble upon him. No, we did not discover God. He revealed himself to us. And that's just the opposite. He revealed himself to us. And when you stop and think about it, that is the distinction of the Christian faith. Because there's no other religion in the world where God reveals himself to man. In all the other religions, you have to climb up to God. You have to go through all these spiritual contortions to, to reach nirvana or the seventh heaven or, or, or some kind of uh, bliss in the sky somewhere. And if you don't do it in this life, don't worry. You can be reincarnated in another life and continue your climb. That's what a lot of other religions in our world teach. But in Christianity, in our faith, God comes down and reveals himself to us. How does he do that? Well, first of all, he does it in science. He does it in nature. And as I read uh, Romans 1, 19 and 20, what, they can be, what can be known about God is plain. He has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. And once again, we just read Acts 14, verses 15 through 17. Paul, the, Paul does a miracle, and the people of Lystra come and worship Paul like he's a god, and he says, no, I'm not a god. Look around you. God is the one who makes the rain to fall. He makes the sun to shine. God does all these things. All you have to do is look around you and believe there is a God. That argument is called the existence of God by intelligent design. For example, you know, I look at my, don't look at your watch, but if I looked at my watch and told you it was five after nine or four after nine, you know, did my watch just assemble itself? Of course not. 
If you look at a watch, you know somebody had to sit down in a factory somewhere and put it together. If you look out on Love Avenue and see a car parked, did that car just assemble it? Did it just appear? Or did the pieces just come together? No. Somebody somewhere in a factory took those pieces and put it together. And if you look at a watch or a car, how much more complex, how much more complicated is our world, is our universe, is our human body, is, is a cell in the human body and the complex chemical actions that take place indicates to me there has to be a God who put it together. I was a science major for a couple years in college, and it was actually that major that led me to, to faith in Christ because I saw, or to, to rededication really, because I saw in, in biology, in science, that there was a creator that was undeniable. And the simplest of things in the human body, in this world, I mean, you can, you can just, I could be here all day and talk about how the earth spins on its axis and, and the seasons and the temperature and the oxygen and nitrogen and, and all the, the different gases and chemicals and temperature that are necessary to sustain life, and it did not just happen by accident. So I want to tell you, I'm not afraid of what science reveals. I'm not, because I think science reveals God. So many times in the past, science and faith have been in conflict. And I remember, uh, good night, Copernicus, who suggested that the earth wasn't flat. And Galileo, who suggested that maybe the planets revolved around the sun instead of the other way, instead of all the planets revolving around the earth. And, and the church persecuted those scientists for even dare suggest that. I'm not worried about what science may prove or uncover one day. I'm not worried about what archaeology may discover one day because I think everything that science can prove, everything that science understands just goes to me to prove the existence of God. I see science as supporting my faith and not as destroying it. So I don't have to be afraid of what science may come up with one day because it's just one more piece of evidence that there is a creator that put this world together, that put my body together, that put all the things in the universe together and makes it run. But still, there are bad things that happen in science too, in nature. I mean, there are hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis, and so that does not give us a full picture of God. So let's move on. God also reveals himself in his story. And I just picked out Psalm 105 because it is a recitation of what God did for the children of Israel when he led them out of bondage in Egypt. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing praises to his name. Tell of all his wonderful works. And then it goes on. When they were few in number, wandering from nation to nation, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account. <clears throat> all through Israel's history, they set up memorials to be reminders of what God had done for them in history. Today, we set up, we have statues to celebrate the heroes of, of war and um, the heroes of, of, uh, who've taken bold stands, presidents and, and folks in civil rights, and, and we have things that we have done to remember them by. 
But the Israelites set up memorials to God because they saw his activity all around them every day. And they didn't want to forget. Why? Because we are prone to forget what God has done for us in the past. And we want to know what he's done for us today. And our memories are so, so short. God is involved in the unfolding of human events. And it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is not slow. He's not slow about his promises, some count slowness. But he is forbearing toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So it seems like if God is moving slowly in this world, it's because he's being patient with us and with those who are still lost. But God is still working. We do a thing on Wednesday nights called God Watch. And uh, what I'm trying to help people see at prayer meeting is that God is working around us. And someone shared this one time that they, they do a God Watch. And so what I ask is, where have you seen God working this past week? What have you seen him doing this past week that we just pass off as, as coincidence? But it's not. It's God actually working. And I believe if we develop eyes of faith, we can see God working in the past in our lives all the time. God reveals himself in science, in nature. He reveals himself in history, in the past. He reveals himself in scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, in righteousness. God reveals himself in the Bible. And you see that over and over again. Psalm 23 at a funeral. 1 Corinthians 13 at a wedding. Romans 8.28, when somebody is hurting or in pain, all things work together for good. You're familiar with these passages, and we repeat them over and over again, and they never wear out. They never lose their impact or their effect their power, because God is revealing himself in the words of Scripture. I love the story about Karl Barth, who was this great German theologian about the middle of the 20th century. Karl Barth wrote volumes on theology in small print <laughs> on God. And someone, he came to America one day for a lecture, and, and these reporters came to, to him in a news conference, and they said, Dr. Barth, can you summarize your learning and your teaching about God in one sentence? And this man, this brilliant German theologian who had devoted his life to the study of God, you know what his answer was? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's as simple as it gets because God has revealed himself to us in Scripture. In science, in history, in scripture. You know what the perfect revelation of God is, though? It's in his son. It's in Jesus. God has revealed himself perfectly to us in the flesh. And his name is Jesus. Colossians 1.19 says, God was pleased to have all his fullness to dwell in him. So if you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know how God reacts to situations, if you want to know what God thinks, do what? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And incidentally, if, if you 
think anything about God that does not, is not in agreement with, with Jesus, then you better stop and think again. Because anything we ever say about God, we need to measure it first by what we see in Jesus. He is the fullness of God dwelling in man. I love the story about <coughs> this man who went to the Smithsonian Institute in Washington and was looking at the wax figures. And he was, look, he was going around looking at the wax figures, and he got to the, the wax figure of Lady Bird Johnson, President Johnson's wife, and there was a grandmother and two granddaughters standing in front of the figure. And he was taking pictures of the wax figures, and so he asked the grandmother if she would mind stepping to the right and the granddaughter so he could take a picture of the wax figure of Lady Bird Johnson. What he didn't realize was that the grandmother and two granddaughters standing in front of the wax figure was Lady Bird Johnson. She had taken her granddaughters to the museum that day to look at the wax figures and to look at the wax figure of her. And that's so much like us, isn't it? It's so much like us because we are all the time looking at the imitation when we have the real deal standing right in front of us in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the final revelation, the ultimate revelation of God. In him is the image of the invisible God, Colossians 1.15. In him is the image of the invisible God. And, and Philip in John 14 said, Jesus, show us God. And Jesus said, have you been with me so long yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me, what? Has seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. And so God saw fit to reveal himself perfectly in Jesus Christ. So we've seen God revealed in science, in history, in scripture. We've seen him revealed perfectly in his son. And just one more I want to throw in for good measure this morning is we see God revealed in circumstances. He shows himself once again. This is the God watch. I believe God shows himself to us over and over again if we will only open our eyes and look around us at circumstances. So many times we just pass them off as a coincidence. Well, that was a lucky turn of events, you know, that something bad didn't happen to me there. Is it just possible that God could have been with you and protected you and helped you? I don't always tell you the stupid things I do because I figure you'll find out about them soon enough. But this past Tuesday, I did something stupid. I uh, got to church about 9 o'clock, as we do, gathered my stuff, got out of my car, and was walking up the parking lot to the building. A lady in the parking lot started yelling, and I turned around and saw my car rolling across the parking lot. I had, I guess I had, well, I don't guess, I know what I did. I got out without putting it in park. I just left it in drive. And I have one of those old cars that you can take your keys out, I guess, without putting it in park. And so I turned around, and my car, and this lady started yelling, and, you know, thankfully she was there. I turned around. I saw my car rolling across the parking lot. Margaret Kelly's um, car was on one side. Another car was on the other side. 
And, and I was able, I just dropped what I had in my hands and ran, un, I had, still had my keys, unlocked the car, jumped in and put it in park as it rolled between two cars. I cranked it up, backed up to where I was, put it in park, turned it off, and just sat there in my car for a few minutes and thank God. I mean, if, if a senior adult had been going in the Family Life Center for exercises, if, if another car had been parked right in front of me, my insurance company would have never believed it. <laughs> I don't know what would have happened. Um, but I just, I thank God for, for sparing me, for sparing injury to somebody, for sparing a, a pileup in the church parking lot that would be hard to explain to a church member. If it had hit a car, it would have been my fault. But the fact that there was no car parked in the, in the line across from it, and it rolled right between two cars, I just stopped and thanked God for protecting me and, I, and protecting that car and, and protecting anyone else from, from harm or injury. And I think God does that all the time. You know, we fuss at God when something bad happens and he doesn't miraculously intervene, but it's not his fault. It's our fault. And it would have been my fault if, if it had hit something or someone. But when something good happens, I think we need to see the possibility that God could have been at work at it and just helping us out and, and protecting us and providing for us. And so we see God revealing himself to us in science, in, in history, in scripture, in his son, in circumstances. He has revealed all he needs to reveal. People say, well, like God, right, right in the sky with clouds that I am real and I'll believe. No, he's already done everything he needs to do to reveal himself to you. And he is knocking at the door of your heart and he will come in and dine with you and you with him if you will only trust him and believe. So because God has revealed himself to us, we can know two things. First of all, we can know about God. We can know about who he is, his characteristics. We can know that he is loving and holy and righteous and merciful. We can know all these things about God, but guess what? I know a lot of things about a lot of people. I know a lot of things about Robert E. Lee. read a couple of his biographies. I know a lot of things about Chipper Jones, you know, I like to follow him in his baseball career with the Braves. I know a lot of things about Alabama football, not as much as Bill, but I've read, read the book, 101 Things You Should Know About Alabama Football. I've been through it about five times. I know a, a, a things about things. I know, not only can you know about God, but more importantly, you can know God. You can know him. You can be in a relationship with him. And that, that provides the intimacy of a relationship, a love relationship with God. Not only do you know about him, but you can know him. It's a big difference, big difference. Jim Elliott, missionary to the Alka Indians, said, God is still on his throne and man is still on his footstool. There's only a knee's difference between them. 
God is still on his throne and man is still on his footstool. There's only a knee's difference between them. It's God's will for you to know him. You have all you need to do so. So now it's up to you. Let's bow together. Father, as we come to worship you, how we praise you and thank you that you are not a God who created us and set this world in motion and then stepped back and folded your arms and became a spectator. (laughs) No. But not only did you create us in this world, but you became involved in it. And you have proven yourself to us through the miracles of science and nature that are just not coincidence that give us life and sustain it here on this planet. We know that you have revealed yourself in history in the past when we read the Bible and see how you were with the Israelites and and in our own past how you've been with us. And you've revealed yourself to us in Scripture because it is inspired by you. You breathed into it. It wasn't just folks sitting down and writing a a biography, but it is God-breathed, the Word of God. You revealed yourself to us in your Son, the perfect revelation, the ultimate revelation. And finally, God, we, we have seen you involved in our lives and circumstances over and over again, but often we just go through the day thinking, boy, that was a fortunate coincidence, or um, how lucky am I today? No. God, I don't believe in luck. I believe in your involvement in our world and your presence with us always. So we don't need any more evidence to believe. You've given us all we need already. Help us take that step of faith and acknowledge our love for you and our belief in trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen.